Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Bringing you the latest in celebrity infotainment news updates. Ah, it's just plain gossip. But we slap a Bible verse on it. And what does that make this? Well, it makes it pretty typical Christian morning radio. That's what it makes it. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Let's check in with celebrity political pundit who appears to be, oh, I'm going to use this word, a journey. That's right. I used the word journey, and I didn't have the 80s rock group in mind. Tucker Carlson appears to be on a bit of a quest. Where he's at with his faith, where he's at with his belief, don't know for sure. He professes to be a Christian. He also confesses that he just started reading his Bible for the first time when he was fired from Fox, and he's discovering an awful lot of, you know, truth in there. Recently speaking at the Center for Christian Virtue, who needs a new sound technician, as you will soon hear, Tucker Carlson spends about 10 minutes talking about social issues and then he gets into theology. Let's check in with Tucker Carlson and see where he's at, shall we? So uh, I'm really struck by the, the ballot initiatives um, that your voters will be facing uh, in November. And I'm struck because they're so very different from the politics that I covered for the bulk of my life. I'm 54, been covering this stuff since I was 22. That's interesting that he keeps bringing up his age these days. It appears we got a man in his 50s who's realizing, hey, there's less sand on the top of the hourglass than there used to be. And he's trying to sort things out. I can't help but wonder if that's why he regularly informs us of his age, which isn't something that in Western civilization, either females or males are inclined to do. And for most of that time, the debates that we had in the political sphere were over competing visions for how to improve people's lives. The minimum wage was always a really intense debate. And I always felt like maybe the minimum wage killed jobs, I guess. That's what my side said. True. And I think that's probably true. Yep. And the other side would say, but people need more money to live, and so we're going to mandate too. that they make this much. And it was a, you know, I was on one side of it, but I could also sort of see the other side. Both sides were at least pretending to try to improve the lives of the people who voted for them. But when you wind up in an election where the two top ballot initiatives are, one, encouraging people to kill their own kids, and two, encourage their kids to do drugs, <laughs> who's benefiting here? <laughs> well, apparently marijuana is on the ballot, and I don't even understand why it's a debate. Science. Hello. Hello. My unbelieving friends, science is clear. Pot is bad for you. 
I just saw another study. It's making people literally insane. And yet we continue to promote it like it's a must-have liberty. And it is these days when we live in a therapeutic culture that is all about happiness and the autonomous self and doing whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. That's interesting, isn't it? As long as it doesn't hurt other people, then you can do it. Well, what does the other big issue of our time do to people? By removing body parts from them. Seems to me that hurts people. Nevertheless, we've deluded ourselves into thinking, no, 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 that's good, that's right, because people need to be happy and true to themselves. Marijuana, it's on the ballot. Life is on the ballot. Seems to me the trans issue should be there, too. I'm serious. The one unalloyed source of joy in your life is your children. The point of life is to have children. Well, we get his point in the context, but that isn't exactly the Christian worldview. The point of life is to glorify God, enjoy him forever. And one of the ways that we can do that is by appreciating the wonderful blessing of children. It needs to be noted that if you are looking for joy in a human being, and I don't care if it's your own biological offspring, you're going to be disappointed. Don't know if you've been out in public lately, but kids, well, they can make a ruckus. They can make messes. They are demanding. They are needy. And there are going to be plenty of moments when you're not feeling joy, 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 joy down in your heart due to the behavior of your children. Instead, we find our supreme joy in the one who provides children. Then we can enjoy them when they have their right place. I can appreciate what Tucker is saying. But if we're going to be persistently and consistently biblical, um, kid, kids, kids aren't the ultimate. They're terrific. Love mine to pieces. But our only ultimate joy is the one who actually gives us our children. And to watch them have grandchildren. Nothing will bring you joy like that will. Nothing comes close. Nothing comes close. Would you trade your job for your children? Would you trade anything for your children? Of course not. And so anyone telling you don't have children, kill your children, is not your friend, is your enemy. And by the way, it's a very recognizable promise that they're making you because it's as old as time and it's chronicled in great detail throughout the Hebrew Bible. It's it, it is, but it's talking about the pagan nations and how they treated their children. I'm, I'm not sure about the complete historical accuracy of what Tucker is about to say, but point taken. The sacrifice, yes. which rears its head about every four chapters. Yes and which is singled out for approbation every time. Of all the sins the ancients committed, that sin, every single time it's described, is called detestable, at least in the RSV. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. I don't know what's going on with Tucker, but he's a man who's just literally reading his Bible for the first time, and he's starting to realize, hey, there's a difference in translations, and according to the RSV... The sin of child sacrifice, detestable. People doing that because, of course, they believed they were getting power and contentment and happiness in return. All it's going to take is to sacrifice your children. This is as old as time. Every civilization on the face of the earth has engaged in it. Mm, Maybe. 
In some cultures, it was more predominant, most certainly. In some cultures, it may have been a one-off sort of affair. I'm not sure the Jewish people were ever identified as being child sacrificers. Jimmy, can you think of anything in the Old Testament? It was a condemnation of the pagan nations. Right, yeah. Did, maybe, do a little, maybe do a little Google on that. Okay. Did Jewish people ever sacrifice their own children? Hmm. Everyone, not just the Mayans and the Aztecs, but the Scandinavians, my people, the Irish. No, it's true. Even the Swedes did it. I know. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Carlson. But the archaeological record tells us that human sacrifice, the sacrifice of children, the killing of children, is the one constant in human civilization. It depends on how far back you go to, because Christians, obviously, fought against child sacrifice. They saved the babies that were being put out in fields and left to die. So, point taken, child sacrifice, because his bigger point is going to be the child sacrifices and our current motivations for taking the lives of our own children. Now, you answer the question, how can that be? How did all these civilizations, the different points of the compass that we know had no contact with one another, reach the same conclusion that in exchange for killing their own children, they would be happy or safe. Probably not something a conclusion they reached organically, right? It cuts against the imperative of evolutionary biology, huh. which is to continue the species. Huh. And those of us who grew up in a secular world being taught that people are motivated by instinct designed to continue the species, pause at that and say, wait a second, how does killing your own children advance the cause of perpetuating the species? It doesn't. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. The sound that you're hearing has an Australian accent. It's Ken Ham saying, well, now you're getting somewhere, Tucker. Evolution is nonsense, isn't it? Jimmy, you find out about child sacrifice anywhere in the Old Testament beside the pagans? Uh, no, that's, that's what I was going to say. Just the pagans is what I can see right now. Nevertheless, point taken, Tucker. In fact, it's an attack on that. So it's not a natural human function to want to kill your own children, actually. That's an idea, an impulse that was introduced. Outside forces are acting on people at all times throughout history in every culture on the planet to convince people that if they sacrifice their children, they will be happy and safe. Outside forces. I suspect he may have been talking about, like, unseen outside forces, which would be absolutely the case. But there are more pressures even today to take the life of your own child for your own personal autonomous happiness. And that's exactly what this is. This is a religious right. This is not a policy debate. They're not telling you that some girl got raped at 13 and she needs to go to college and therefore, unfortunately, we need to abort the child. No, that was 20 years ago. Now they're saying abortion is itself a pathway to joy. Really? So this is not a political debate. This is a spiritual battle. Yes. Nicely. That's all right. Historical quibbles aside, what is going on with Tucker Carlson recognizing the life issue is a spiritual debate? And he's just getting warmed up. He starts quoting the Bible. Tucker Carlson. Next on Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit 
metashare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Well, we want to say a huge thank you to our faithful gospel partners. Without you, none of this is possible. So you have a direct responsibility for everyone touched by this Wretched Radio program. Just listen to what Cindy from Ohio had to say. She said, quote, before I started listening to Wretched Radio, I was confused and drifting from my faith. But the sound teaching opened my eyes to the truth in a new way. Now I'm grounded in God's word more than ever before, and I want to empower Wretched to have the same impact on others' lives. So from all of us here at Wretched, we want to thank you for standing firm with us as a gospel partner. And we want to ask those of you who have not yet joined us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? You can find out all the answers to all of the questions you may possibly have at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well, then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Important dates in Christian history. 270 AD. A wealthy young man named Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example, and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Take more drugs and be happy? Right, okay. Less conscious, less aware. Give your soul over. Dull yourself. Become a robot. Really? Those are the promises they're making? Okay. <laughs> they needed to calm down because he had no upper octaves left. This is Wretched Radio. Tucker Carlson speaking at the Center for Christian Virtue, acknowledging we are in a spiritual war. This is not a political battle. These issues transcend politics. This isn't simply about what buses, the number of buses we should have for the kids, 
how many crossing guards, what the minimum wage should be. Instead, we're talking about life. We're talking about the marriage of Juana. We're talking about the mutilation of children and adults. Tucker Carlson coming to the conclusion uh, this is a different sort of warfare we're engaging in. Uh, what exactly is his solution? Let's eavesdrop, shall we? So how do you respond to this? And that's what I've been thinking about all day. I went on my morning walk with my dogs in Maine this morning, from which I derive much wisdom every morning, my wife and I. And um, the truth is, taking a walk does help. You think through things. You, you are seeing God. Not man's handiwork, but God. And he's preaching a message to you. I'm big. You're small. I, I've got all of the power. You don't. A walk in the woods actually does help bring some clarity. My, and I, by the way, I'm not a theologian. I'm the opposite of a theologian. So don't take any theological insight from me at all. I'm just a reader, okay? And here's what's jumped out at me. So my second favorite character in the New Testament is Paul. And I, I think from what I can tell, the bulk of the New Testament is written by or about Paul. He's a leading character in this drama, I would say. And, and I think just an amazing person because he was not a good person. He was like a horrible person. He was on his way to murder Christians when he was knocked down and blinded and then pivoted on a dime and devoted his life to spreading the gospel. So I find it very inspiring that a truly awful person could become one of the great people of all time. Yes. The Bible is replete with characters like that. Paging Peter, anybody? <laughs> By the way, I just heard an amazing sermon from Milton Vincent. If you're not listening to this guy, honestly, uh, you're missing out on a huge blessing. It was John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. This is the washing of the feet. And once again, just like with the story of the resurrection of Lazarus, because he loved them, John now says in John chapter 13, because he loved them, the disciples, to the end, perhaps to the uttermost. What did he do? He took on the role of the lowest of the lowly servants. And if you scoot over, I believe it's Luke maybe 22. What was the conversation that the disciples were having while Jesus strips himself, dons the servant's attire to wash their feet. They were debating who's the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> and he shows it, this act of humble love and service. Just side point, Milton Vincent didn't bring this out. And Jesus, this is a supreme moment of, of danger and peril. His life is soon going to be offed because of the Jewish people chanting crucify him at the hands of the Romans, he's going to be beaten and hung. And what does he do? He serves. Have you ever been instructed that in your grief you should serve? Maybe Jesus was modeling just that. Nevertheless, he loved them. And then we encounter Peter. And this is where most pastors will once again go, there he, Peter, here he goes again. But consider what Peter, the, the, what, Okay, impulsive, yes. Lord, no. The, no, you, you will not wash my feet. Now, this would, the, the, the illustration Milton Vincent gave was, imagine somebody's at your house and you offer them iced tea and they said, no, you'll never serve me iced tea. That's what Peter said to Jesus. Jesus then informs him, hey, 
unless you get this, unless you understand that I'm about to do something even more humbling than washing feet. You have no part in the kingdom. Boom, Peter, he flips a switch. Then wash my whole body. So maybe maybe we don't always need to be harsh when it comes to Peter. Maybe instead we can appreciate all that he did do, including denying the Lord. Yep but then spending the rest of his days preaching about this same Lord. And just one other note. Have you ever wondered why John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved? It strikes a little funny, doesn't it? What, he didn't love the other disciples? Well, John 13, 1 tells you he did. Because he loved them, all of them, not just John, all of them. I suspect John was personal. He felt that love. He experienced that love. He witnessed that love. And so he's just pointing this out. He is the the writer of love in both the gospel and 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He's, he's, the, he's the one who focuses on it. And he's simply, I think, trying to express, I'm telling you, when, when you've been loved by Jesus Christ, you, it's notable. Back to Tucker Carlson and his theological musings. That's reassuring. <laughs> But the two qualities that really jump out of the story of Paul's life, first and most obviously is the courage. This is like the bravest guy ever. There's not a letter he wrote where he didn't have a sword hanging over his neck. Jesus was the bravest man ever, nevertheless. He expected at any moment he murdered, and I think the consensus among historians is, in the end he was. He was murdered, as were all of his friends. Except John. But he lived with the certainty that he was going to be killed for his beliefs every day. Hmm. And he was totally unbothered by it, completely. He was just moving as fast as he could in the time allotted. He didn't know how much he had, but he just kept going. But he was never afraid. As his boat was sinking in the med, in his year-long journey, and you know, everyone with us freaking out, totally fine. Oh, we're shipwrecked, no problem. <laughs> never afraid. And by the way, why would he? Actually, he was afraid. Do you know what scared him? Evangelism. He came to the Corinthians with fear and much trembling. So yeah, actually, the Apostle Paul did fear. He, he feared sharing his faith. That's one reason we can really relate to Paul, isn't it? And by the way, why would he be afraid? He believed his fate was sealed. He was going to join Jesus. He was going to heaven. He was totally convinced of that. Hmm. And it seems to me, maybe the one takeaway is, like, that's table stakes in Christian faith. Fearlessness. That is actually the marker of it. Are you afraid or are you not? Well, if you're afraid, then you're kind of not doing it right, are you? Like, there's no excuse for being afraid. Mm, except when things are scary, it's right to be afraid. What the Bible does promise about fear is that perfect love casts out all fear, specifically not of all things, but the fear of death. Nevertheless. I, and I don't, I don't want to take this opportunity that you've so graciously given me to spend the next 40 minutes pounding in the Episcopal Church, so I won't. But <laughs> I grew up in it. You know, my ancestors were in it. High-level people in it. I married into it. I was educated in it. I educated my kids in it. I was as firmly ensconced as that church as you could be, even as it crumbled around us and became this very aggressively pagan 
institution. Wow. But we stayed wow. because wow. it's hard to leave something you grew up in. Yeah. But the moment that we left for good and actually really, it was the greatest thing we ever did. Really got to understand God better once we left church. Weird how that works. But um, he read his Bible. But the moment that catalyzed it for us was COVID, which was really an amazing and clarifying experience. And I'm just as, as sad as it was. I'm so grateful that we lived through that because everything became so much clearer than it was. But the church that we went to closed for COVID, and they closed their Christmas service. And we have this. The one thing about the Episcopal Church, we have this amazing liturgy written by actual Christians. And uh, that's right. We have lessons in carols, this like ritual that I grew up with. Amazing. My wife grew up with her father's Episcopal minister. Yep. And we love it. And all of our children come home and we go to it. And it's just this beautiful service. And they cancel lessons in carols. And I know I'm revealing how shallow I am, but I just wanted to go to the service because I love lessons in carols. I love all the carols. And I love all the lessons. And they didn't have it. And I said to my wife, well, why are we having lessons in carols? Like, that's like a requirement. There's no Episcopal church without lessons in carols. Like, What? And she's like, well, COVID and the minister sent this letter. Here it is. She is afraid that she's going to, you know, die <laughs> from COVID. And I was like, well, she's afraid she's going to die? Why is she worried about dying? She's a Christian minister. Like, why should she care? <laughs> and that emphasis on the feminine pronoun seemed to indicate something. What's happening in the life of Tucker Carlson? The story's been told about a gazillion times. People who go to church, they don't hear much truth proclaimed, and then they open up their Bibles, and they start reading it, and they realize, whoa, Christianity is about a whole lot more than form and formality. It is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Should we Christians be courageous? Sure. Should we be foolishly courageous? Of course not, because that is lacking in wisdom. We will continue to watch the, yep, I'm going to say it again, journey of one Tucker Carlson. Fascinating. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start today with Joe Biden and his administration, which has been pushing a new mandate that would force virtually every employer to fund employee abortions, even if they have moral objections. His administration is trying to hijack existing law to impose their radical abortion agenda, while polling shows most Americans support reasonable limits on abortions, although I would argue there are no reasonable limits on abortion, period. But most Americans do support reasonable limits, not this kind of extremism the current administration is trying to push through. But Biden continues his crusade against the unborn. Over 10,000 late-term abortions occur annually, almost all for elective reasons, not health concerns. Moving to Arizona, a school board member is suing after being told to stop quoting Bible verses during meetings. Heather Rooks is her name, and she would read short passages seeking wisdom and strength while serving students and parents. But a radical group complained that this, this was too coercive for their taste. Brooks has defended her free speech rights with legal groups. The Constitution does not ban all mention of faith in public settings, but radicals would like to impose their own narrow beliefs. Well, celebrity pastor... I struggle saying that. Andy Stanley recently hosted a conference promoting, you guessed it, LGBT ideology. We talked about it here on this Wretched Radio program. He brought in speakers that argue Christianity has been wrong on sexuality. Wrong. 
Yeah, the Bible is wrong on sexuality because the authority on it, Nandy Stanley, claims evangelicals must approve same-sex marriage because it's loving. He still gives lip service to biblical marriage, but he also twists scripture to affirm LGBT lifestyles. Which side of the fence, Andy? Gotta pick one. Can't sacrifice truth for your misguided compassion because it's not compassionate to allow people to do the things and live the lives that will send them to hell. That's actually the opposite of compassion. In other news, the school board in New York also formally reprimanded a member for quoting Bible verses during meetings. She's now suing the district for violating her religious freedom. And the company behind a controversial ad featuring a transgender model has pushed progressive gender ideology for years. The parent corporation, Procter & Gamble, champions LGBT issues through branding and partnerships. Though there has been backlash toward it in the past, they don't care too much. Procter & Gamble has promoted transgender ideology and advertising since the 90s. More recently, it partnered with GLAAD to shift culture attitudes and expand LGBT-themed marketing. The company was named LGBT Marketer of the Year in 2020. Yeah, that's about par for the course these days, is it not? And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called a fragrant offering. In the Old Testament, God required burnt offerings of meat and incense as a pleasing aroma. These sacrifices foreshadowed Jesus, the perfect offering that takes away the sins of the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, Jimmy, can you remember what we're talking about here? I'm, I seem to have lost my way. What's the subject matter today? <laughs> uh, gossip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Is there really anything in the celebrity world we need to know? Probably not. Are we going to talk about it here on Wretched Radio? Of course we are, and I could actually use your help on this one. There is a Sony-produced film, uh, because even Sony recognizes there's money to be made off of Christians. It's a movie called Journey to Bethlehem. It's one of those animated things that kind of looks real, but it's not whatever they call that sort of animation. And it's a musical about Mary and Joseph, of course. And I'm not exactly sure how to put my finger on it, but some main right here. Your father has always known you are special. Nothing will change that, Mary. Tell Mary we are ready. The music, play. Mary, you're getting married. It's about to be the best day of your life. Uh, what is it about this ancient true story, which is the pinnacle of human civilization, that just ain't right with this contemporary Disney musical vibe. Um, Joseph, I feel like we're already friends, no? Okay, that part I know what's wrong. 
Your dreams are coming true, Mary. That's not exactly what she was dreaming for. Instead, she was given the privilege of being the mother, the birth mother of the Son of God. That would be the Theotokos. If there are any Eastern Orthodox that might have stumbled across this program, but I don't think she was dreaming of being ostracized and and having a child as a virgin and having to explain it. Harry, God has chosen you to have a son, the king of all kings. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to believe. Look at the star. The future holds more. This is it. Let's go. There are too many questions to let all time. The divine king is to be born in your land. Help me put my, Jimmy, can you get us started down the road of, am I just being a fuddy-dud on this? So it's contemporary music that sounds like a Disney movie. Why is this getting on my craw? <laughs> well, because they're putting words in the mouth of well, scripture. There's, there's definitely that. Yeah. Okay, but I watch the Nativity story. We watch it almost every Christmas, and they're putting words into the mouths of Mary and Joseph, and it doesn't bug me. Maybe I don't know. It's the kind of the humanist. You know, you can you can accomplish all things, and you're going to be amazing. Sort of choruses we're hearing, or maybe it's the fact that Herod's soldiers end up doing a line dance. Why would I help find a new king in my kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here there there's an okay. It, because it's not presenting it as historic. We're turning it into a comedy and we're turning it into a, a musical. There's something about this. How would you put it that way? Perhaps we should go. What is the exit? It's going to be king. Everyone wants my crown. There's the soldiers doing a line dance. Looks like Bruno Mars in a military uniform from the first century. Those men are looking for you. Herod must know of the prophecy. He wants my child. Joseph! I'm not the only one who's chosen for this. Mm, you were too, Joseph. Idea at wretched.org. Idea at wretched.org. There's another movie that's coming out. And it perhaps is going to confuse an awful lot of Christians. It's a movie about what happens to these people who claim something was going on when I thought I died, but I really didn't because I came back to life. It was 1969, a beautiful day to fly. We were about 100 feet above the ground when I started noticing that something was wrong. It was engine failure. Trees were filling our windshield. I found myself above the crash site. And while I'm processing what I'm looking at, I can see a pilot, and this is me. Bum, bum, bum. 
Angels. Isn't that the, the Mormon outfit, Angel Studios, Jimmy? Do I have that correct with my celebrity infotainment gossip news? <laughs> that is correct. Okay. Well, that wouldn't surprise me that they would produce something like this. We've heard these stories. They're, they're undeniable. People who have had some sort of what they would call out-of-body experience, they were able to look down. Sometimes you'll hear they were able to hear conversations in other rooms. What's going on there? Well, we have two options. We can trust what the Bible says about it or what Angel Studios says. There's our choice. Experiences are the same. Out of nowhere, a trailer truck kept me head on. But they typically occur in a very consistent process. We began to go down the river and my boat became pinned. I was drowning. The first thing that happens is called an out-of-body experience. And they come to a place of exquisite beauty. They very commonly see a light. That's, that is the story, isn't it? Now, who knows at this point if that story has become so much of a part of Western consciousness that people, they, they have their brains do such things. Dreams seem real, too, but we know they're not. What's happening? Well, we need a better source than Angel Studios. We need the Bible to tell us. And the answer that it gives is deafening. Nothing. Nothing. Instead, we are told what happens to somebody who dies, really dies. I mean, they're, 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 how do you know that somebody's really dead? Now, the scientific professionals would say it's when the heart stops beating, brain, it's not getting enough oxygen. But the Bible says, you know that you're dead when you stand before God. It is appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. Somebody doesn't die and then go to the throne of God, and then whoop, they somehow get whisked back. Furthermore, we also know that it is appointed unto man once to die, then judgment would preclude these heavenly tourisms, these visits off to heaven where people are seeing, well, Jesus walking in a bed of sunflowers. Can you walk in a bed of sunflowers? That might not have been the best flower to choose. He's walking in a, a field of daisies, and it's all warm. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. You're going to face God. And your works, if you're a believer, they will be judged, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. If you're not a believer, your sins are going to be judged. Either way. We've got Bible clarity. When somebody actually dies, they stand before the Lord. So all of these other experiences, whatever they were, whether their heart was beating or not, the mind can do all sorts of wacky things. But should we put some sort of stock into these things? Now, you maybe have a couple of questions. Number one, why are these movies popular? Why do these things seem to proliferate, especially amongst Christians, angel studios? Who are they making this for? They're making it for, I think, a lot of Christians who need other affirmation besides the Bible. Uh, I just, I just, if somebody could have an experience, I remember this before I was a Christian. I remember years ago, Somebody saying that they somebody in an airplane took a picture and it was Jesus walking on the clouds. And I remember I, this must have been sixth grade, seventh or something like that. And I had no idea who Jesus was. 
but it was show me that picture. I need to see that picture. Because there's something inside of the, the human heart, especially the unregenerate human heart, that needs to know, well, we have a more sure word. Second question you may be pondering is, well, what about Lazarus? What, what was his deal? And the answer is, I don't know what was going. It was a miracle. God was suspending everything, and he tells us that. Jairus's daughter, we know that this was a miracle in every regard, and we're not told where they go. And I'm not sure that we should go looking to try to sort it and figure it out. And we most certainly don't need to go to an Angel Studios production of -of out-of-body, after-death experiences to try to sort it. The Bible doesn't speak that was intentional. We know this. You will die. And you will stand before your maker. Whether it's a bright light that you see before you get to him or not, I don't know, but you ain't going to go and then get ripped back. You aren't going to genuinely die and then genuinely come back to life. It is appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa, and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything, everywhere you look. (laughs) Plus, that also means football season is in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right, Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that Sugar Hype Kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not. So you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity-induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to. No, you don't have to. You can actually include it with the gospel booklets, but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the Wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet. Now through the 25th. And you'll want to order by the 25th, so you'll have have them in time for the Devil's Day. That's Halloween. Get them before they're gone at wretched.org. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to 
the gospel. I was very unsure of what I was doing when I came in. And by the end of the appointment, Rosemary had talked to me. She had actually prayed with me because she had asked me, like, do you know about Jesus? Because I was telling her, I don't feel like God's going to forgive me for this one. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound and Preborn Ministries uses good equipment, which is is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Revelation. God has revealed himself through many means, including the conscience. God has given each person a conscience so that they can understand his moral standard and their failure to keep that standard. While the conscience can be deadened and twisted by sin, every human being has an innate knowledge of God's law. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, Jimmy, now, what? This, 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 would, <laughs> this would actually be the time to share your thoughts. This is Wretched Radio, not during the break, during the program. <laughs> you cited some other Bible verses about out-of-body experiences that people presume to have. There's tons of stories, Angel Studios making a movie called After Death, about the bright light, the warm feeling, I saw my relatives, and I cited, it is appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. Paul also talked about being absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's a quick transaction. You don't go on a picnic. You don't go running through a daisy field. You, you, you are facing the Lord. But Jimmy, you brought up other Bible verses off the air. <laughs> well, the, the rich man and Lazarus came to mind mm -hmm. as uh, the, the rich man died and um, told Father Abraham that he wanted to go back. He wanted to be put back to, to warn his relatives. Nope. Nope. They said uh, if, if, if they're not convinced by the, pro uh, the Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced that's by right. someone coming back. See, th this is this. I, I really think that's kind of getting to the heart of the issue, which is the issue of sufficiency. Do, do we need more than the Bible to affirm the afterlife? What? Can there, could there just be some sort of curiosity? Sure, there are enough of these stories. I get that. But I think that they're bread and butter. The reason that so many people will go to see this is, I need to know what's going to happen when I die. I'm going to be good. What's going to, I need to know. Read your Bible. If God wanted us to know more, he would have revealed it to us. And believe me, there is plenty in the Bible about heaven. There's plenty. And you can even use, to a degree, your sanctified imagination to imagine, whoa, what is it going to be like? Mercy me, I can only imagine. What is it going to be? And those are good thoughts. Those are lovely thoughts. But they must be biblically guided thoughts, not angel studio thoughts. Furthermore, if you watch this trailer, see if you can pick up on a little statistical problem. But not every near-death experience is a good one. 23% had hellish experiences. Hmm, 23%. Seems to me Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. 23, didn't somebody spend 23 minutes in hell or something like that? I think so, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> 23 minutes in hell and then coming back. 
we don't, we've already got the rich man and Lazarus. We, we've got it. We've got Jesus' words on hell. The, the one who spoke the most about the subject is our Savior. We don't need more. And if this little Angel Studio movie were accurate, it, unless somehow it's selective, these after-death experiences, 23% only go to hell? Not according to the Bible. But wait, there are still more movies that are being produced. Disney has a new one. Wish. Imagine a place where wishes come true. That's the voice of King Magnifico. Where your heart's desire can become a reality. I want to go there. What if I told you that place is within reach? Ooh. Then I'd buy a ticket. All you have to do is give your wish to me. But wait, what if King Magnifico isn't the benevolent dispenser of all wishes requested? Enter Asha. I wish. Upon a star. It's an actual star coming to the planet. Zipping what around. What was that? It was a star. It was a lucky star. And if you make your wish, your dreams can come true. That's kind of a Disney theme, isn't it? But wait, is it possible there's a little bad theology behind this Disney movie? Keep it slow. So I look up at the stars to guide me and throw a to every All right, she's going to throw caution to every warning sign. Yeah, that seems wise, doesn't it? You know why? Because she can do all things through a misquoted Bible verse. <laughs> nah, not, not in this particular Disney movie. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There could be a worship song. What might be the message behind what appears to be just another Disney-type Cinderella story? Well, there ain't no Prince Charming. Instead, King Magnifico, the one who says, bring me your requests and I will grant them. It turns out he's rather selective in his distribution of nice things. And so it is. Asha goes on a quest to find the power within her to speak the truth into power and become the one who's satisfied in herself. Or something like that from the uh, Not the Bee. This movie plays on the When You Wish Upon a Star theme that Disney loves. It's about a girl, Asha, which means wish, who's invited to apprentice under a magic king who grants wishes to his people. The king creates order, law, stability, and peace. But when Asha learns that the king only grants the most important wishes, which seems unfair, 
Why would an all-powerful king who claims to love all of his people withhold his power and mercy from some of his citizens? Is this even a good king? Bam, bam, bam. Does it sound like this might possibly be a critique of, I don't know, our God? Why doesn't he answer everybody's prayers? There's too many Christians who ask that question. I wouldn't get encourage you. Uh, get get, get the, uh, the Great Love of God by Heath Lambert, Chapter 7. I think we talked about this yesterday. Why does God delay? Why doesn't he answer the prayers the way that we request them? Because he answers them better than even our requests. And we rest in that knowing that our God is benevolent and he is good and he is kind and he only desires the best stuff for us. And sometimes that best stuff can only come through suffering. And so God permits, sometimes he sends suffering so that we will have the better thing. What's this Disney movie about? Well, a God that doesn't answer every request certainly can't be worth following from the review from Not the Bee. We see snippets of the king's vanity. The people around him adore him, even worship him. He's their father, but Asha's discovered that he's actually a villain and she's actually playing Sam Harris. I added that part. Asha will have to flee society, the ordered realm of the God King, and reconnect with, oh, a worldview, Gaia, Mother Earth, the cosmic force that will grant her the power to become her own goddess with literal star power. Now, that's something Angel Studios could have produced, being a little bit more faithful to Mormonism, right there, instead of the out-of-the-body experience thing. With this power, she'll return to overthrow the patriarch king and free the people from the shackles of his rule in order to end oppression and grant everyone's desires. I'll bet she doesn't. Do you know what people pray for? Do you know what people ask God? They ask all kinds of horrible things. And we don't have a problem with him saying no to that. We Christians, we, sh- we, should, we shouldn't have a problem with God's answers either. When God says no, you can trust it is the absolute best thing for you. Did God really say? Oh, wait a second. That was from the Bible. Not the Disney movie, but that's really the message, isn't it? Don't be deceived. These movies, they're vetted, they're parsed, they are gleaned, they are edited, they are scripted, they are tested. And there is not a single movie that doesn't have a worldview. And most of them, including the ones from Angel Studios, are not about truth. They're not about portraying God accurately. These, these, these movies are anti-God, and this one is overtly so. Now, might they be going after the white male oppressor that King Magnifico represents? Yeah, I guess. But no matter how you slice this particular Disney pie, the reality is it is anti-anything traditional, any, anything God. Little children, watch what you see because the world loves to use entertainment and music to pump all kinds of dreck into little children's eyes and ears. 
We have something better for the kids. We have truth. Let's teach them that. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.